Hi, my name is Jana Metzger. Welcome to the Gospel House. Our mission here at the Gospel House is to show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. That in the gospel, we can find all of our deepest needs met as the entire church responds to and applies the implications of the gospel. We would love to show it with you. Check out our website, www.thegospel.house, where you can learn more about us, find out how to connect with us, ask questions, see when and where our next meeting is, and give to help advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good? Good, good. All right, so uh, last week um, in our sermon, we counted the cost of following Jesus. If you were here for that, it was a grand time. Uh, The cost of following Jesus, if you weren't here, is your life. Uh, Jesus does not give discounts, right? As much as we wish he did. The cost of Jesus is your life. Jesus says to take up your cross and to follow him. And everything else, if you aren't willing to do that, if you aren't willing to lay down your life, you cannot follow Jesus. Anyone who tells you otherwise, I don't mean to make it a black and white issue, but if it's a black and white issue, is a liar. Jesus says to take up your cross And follow him. That's the only way to follow Jesus. And to take up your cross means that you have to die to yourself. You have to die to your way of doing things. And you have to follow his, right? I mean, that's what following someone is, right? You follow in their footsteps. And so Jesus has given us access to the Holy Spirit that we can perfectly follow God. For those of us who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is already working inside of you. And now all we have to do is let go. To let go of control and to say to God, all right, God, you're running the show. Tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. So last week, we went all in. And I was watching y'all. I stood up here for all of you who were here last week, and you all stood up. Remember, I said, if you're ready to go all in, stand up with me, right? And you all stood up. I saw it, and so I'm going to hold you accountable to that. More importantly, God is going to hold you accountable to that, right? God sees, and sometimes we make those promises to God, right? When you didn't study for your exam the night before a big test. Say, God, I promise if you give me an A on this exam, I'll follow you all the days of my life. And then as soon as you get out of the exam and you pass it, you forget about that promise. God doesn't forget those promises, though, y'all. I'm a living testimony to that because I made lots of those promises and never had any intention on following through until here we are. I'm a pastor now, and God got me. God's going to hold you to that. Do not make promises to God lightheartedly, right? Because he remembers what we promise. But here's the deal, and this is what I want to challenge you on today. Just because we talked about it last week, and just because we moved on to a new sermon, and eventually we'll move on to a new sermon series, that does not mean that we graduate, right? 
there's this trick, tricky thing that happens in Christianity where we feel like we graduate from things, right? Well, pastor, we've graduated from the gospel. I need to go into deeper teaching now. Guys, that's not true. That's never true. The church today, there are a lot of churches today that make a big deal about making a decision for Christ, right? You come up to the altar, there's an altar call, and you make a decision that you're going to follow Christ. Y'all, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. There's a reason why here at the Gospel House we don't do altar calls. I don't ask for people to make a decision for Christ. Because the reality is, if you look it up biblically speaking, there's no such thing as a decision for Christ. When you decide to follow Jesus, it is a million moment-by-moment decisions that we make. There is no one decision. Yeah, I would love that. To make one decision and decide I'm going to follow Christ and then I never have to make another decision again after that. But that's not how following Jesus is. Following Jesus is every moment of every day making a decision that I am not going to go my own direction, but that I am going to go his direction. Every day there is a laying down of self. Every moment there is a decision. Do I do Jeremy's thing or do I do God's thing? Do I surrender Jeremy's life to go God's way? Or do I tell God, you know what, God, I actually think I know better than you on this one. I'm going to go my way. So we make daily, moment-by-moment decisions to follow God, to follow the Holy Spirit's lead instead of our own, to reject our thoughts, our ways, our ideas, and to surrender to God's. That's what a true decision for Christ, decisions for Christ, looks like. So we're not moving on. We can't move on from being all in. We've got to every day go all in for Jesus. Every moment we've got to go all in. So today, instead of moving on from that, we're going to build on to it. So let's build on what we're making here, what God's making in this church, right? And we do that today by talking about the aim of poverty, the aim of being poor in spirit. And this should be really familiar to us all, right? We've been doing this sermon series for almost three months now. We started it all the way back in July. We had all of July, all of August. Now we're in September, and we're still on this sermon series. And the aim has never changed, right? For every single beatitude, the aim has never changed. Y'all, for the entire Bible, the aim never changes. What's the aim, Christ followers? God, right? There's this, there's this really tricky verse at the end of Matthew 5, after he gets done with the Beatitudes and, and adds a little on to it. He ends, Jesus ends chapter 5 by saying, Therefore, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And y'all, Christian, if you're paying attention to that verse, there ought to be tires squealing and hands going up and jaws dropping, right? We don't pay attention to the gravity of the commands that Jesus gives us. Are you kidding me? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And if you're paying attention, 
the natural response should be, I can't do that, Jesus. And you're absolutely right. That's the whole point of this Christianity stuff, y'all. You can't do it. You need God to do it for you, which is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. But like we talked about last week, you can't do that if you're puffed up on your own spirit, right? If I'm so full of my own spirit, of Jeremy's way, that I know what's best, I'm not going to be able to follow the Holy Spirit the way that I'm supposed to. Thus, we need to become poor in spirit, right? We've got to become poor in spirit so that, the aim here, so that we can be made in the image of God. Y'all, I love you. I love this church. I cannot make you in the image of God. I'm not strong enough to do that. But can I burst your bubble? You can't either. You can love this word. You can devour the Bible. You can have every single law of God memorized. The Pharisees did, right? In Jesus' day, the Pharisees had this, this book, the Old Testament of this book, they had it memorized. All of it. And who were the furthest away from the truth? The Pharisees, right? You can memorize it all. But unless you're relying on God to do the work in you, you will never get there. So we've got to figure this out. We've got to figure out how to get this aim down. So this was the outline. Did you hear what I said there? This was the outline. First, we were going to talk about why we need spiritual poverty. Why do we need to be poor in spirit? Then we were really going to dig into the aim of spiritual poverty. And, and really, the, the goal of spiritual poverty, of being poor in spirit, is not to stay poor, but to be filled with something else, right? And then finally, we were going to close with being filled for a purpose. Not just being filled, but being filled with a purpose on top of that. Then, the Holy Spirit changed it all. Isn't it interesting how that keeps happening? I started digging into point one, and I got to a certain point, and you'll probably be able to feel where that's going pretty quickly, and the Holy Spirit said, Jeremy, stop. You just need to stop. And so guess what we're going to do? We're going to stop. Because if we say we're a Spirit-filled church, then it wouldn't be very smart if I preached sermons that weren't led by the Spirit, right? You want to be a Spirit-filled church? I want you to be a Spirit-filled church. I want to be a spirit-filled pastor. I want to be a spirit-filled man. So we're going to follow the Holy Spirit. And when he says stop, we're going to stop. And when he says go, we're going to go, right? There's that old youth song, when he goes to the left, then we'll go to the left. You guys remember that one? You guys ever heard that one? We used to do it all the time. It's great because it makes the congregation stand up and move, and everybody's always stiff and never moves when you sing worship songs. But anyway, that's what we're going to do, right? When the Holy Spirit says go, we're going to go. I want to be led every moment of every day by the Holy Spirit. There are some Christians who will tell you that's an extreme. There are some Christians who will tell you that's, that's too much. That's not what the Bible says. You're taking this book way too literal. <laughs> Y'all, I'm going to spoil it for you right now. I am a biblical literalist. 
if it says it in this book, I'm going to take it as literally as I possibly can because that's what I think Jesus wants. So if you're not here for literally interpreting this book, you're probably going to need to find a different church because I think that God gave us his word and he literally wants us to do it. So when Paul says walk by the Spirit, I think he literally wants us to walk every moment of every day in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to do, and I'm going to start it up here. So first, let's dig into why do we need to be poor in spirit. We hit on this last week when we talked about the two spirits. We talked about how there are two spirits that exist in this world. There is the Spirit of God, and there is the Spirit of man. We've talked about this a lot here at the Gospel House. There are two ways of doing things. There's God's way, and there's man's way. You know, it makes us feel really good when we picture sin as these awful, awful, terrible things that we do against God. But the reality is sin, in the way that God defines it, is anything that is not his way. So when I go out, and in Jeremy's wisdom, I serve the poor, that's a good thing. But if God didn't tell me to do it, I'm not supposed to be doing it, right? Sin is anything that is not God's way. We've got to get that down, y'all. It starts, we, we started this last week, we traced it all the way back to Genesis 2. In Genesis 2, right, God creates man and he breathes his life into mankind, into human beings. Human beings are the only one of God's creation that God breathes life into. And at that moment, mankind received a soul a spirit. That's what gave us this spirit. But then Genesis 3 happened, and Adam and Eve decided with that spirit that they're going to go their own way. And ever since then, the human spirit has been out of unity with God's spirit. We've been at odds with God ever since. Our spirit is broken. Jeremy's spirit is is broken. You put your name in the blank. Your spirit is broken. Even when you want to do the right thing, it can never be the right thing unless you surrender that spirit and give in to God's. Give in to the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. And most of us know this, right? If you've lived enough life, you've tried to do the right thing on your own, You've tried to do things. You've tried to fix your own mistakes. Anybody? Right? Every time I've ever tried to fix myself, I end up twice the mess that I was beforehand. And most people will tell you that that's their situation. Every time you try to meddle in your own business, but when I let go and I let God fix it, I let God tell me what to do. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it, everything magically becomes better. Everything disappears in sunshine and rainbows. Typically, that's not how it goes. But I'm at least at peace that I am now walking in unity with God. So we're going to turn to this warning. And this is the warning that absolutely shook me and changed everything of what I was planning on doing today. This comes from the book of Ezekiel. It's a prophecy that Ezekiel gives to the prophets of Israel in Ezekiel chapter 13. And y'all, we've got to listen. We have to listen to this. 
because this isn't Ezekiel prophesying to the lost, right? This isn't Ezekiel going to the sinners and the wicked people of the world and prophesying to them. This is Ezekiel talking to the church, talking to the prophets in Israel who should know better than this. So church, this is a message for you, Christian, who say that you follow Jesus. This is what God says. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy from their own inspiration, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. I don't want to be that prophet, y'all. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing you guys all know Job is my favorite book, but I'm, I'm picturing Job, you know, with his knees clanking together before God, right? Before a holy God, and I'm imagining myself sitting in that chair, sitting before God. Y'all, I don't want to be this prophet. Yet I'm afraid that this is what far too many Christians have become today. This is how far too many of us treat God. Well, this is how I'm feeling. This is, how I, this is the feeling I get. So this must be what God's saying. Careful, y'all. Feelings are a horrible leader. Did you know that? Anyone? Right? Has anybody ever been angry? Yeah? You know, when I was younger, I got angry a lot. You can talk to my parents about it, but I would encourage you not to because I don't want you to hear the stories. But there are a couple of drywall patches that we have in some of our old houses that exist because Jeremy got angry. Y'all ever had that? You know, you get angry, so you throw something, and then it shatters into a million pieces, and you immediately get that feeling in the pit of your stomach like, oh, no, I can't undo this, right? Following our feelings... Feelings are a horrible master, y'all. And so for us to jump into that position where we say, well, this is how I'm feeling, so this must be what God's saying. Careful. Be so careful. I, I don't know, y'all. Maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe I'm losing my mar marbles here. And this is, you all get a witness at first hand. This is Jeremy going off the deep end. But the more we get into these sermon series on the Beatitudes, the more we go into this, the more I'm getting the impression from God, hey, Jeremy, when you don't see me moving, hey, Jeremy, when you don't hear me telling you what to say, just keep your mouth shut. Just don't say anything. You know, I've heard, you guys know, Tim, Pastor Tim Keller, he's one of my heroes, and, and I absolutely love him, but I, I know for a fact him and I disagree on this subject because I've heard him preach about these things. But there is a very, very trendy teaching in the church today that when God is silent, that means we use our own intellect to fill in the blank. But y'all, as I dig into this stuff, as, as I keep reading my word, and as I keep preparing these sermons, as, and as I keep getting up here and, and preaching to you all and, 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 and doing all of this, being led by the Spirit, I don't know if that's true anymore. 
because all throughout Scripture, I see man's intellect getting them into these awful messes. And if I'm leading you gospel house, I don't want to lead you into a mess. And if that's where Jeremy's intellect is going to get us, then I think I'd rather push the pause button and wait. Because that's the theme in Scripture that I see from Jesus, but it, it even goes back before Jesus, right? Is when God doesn't speak, when God doesn't say go, when God doesn't move, God's people don't just jump in and go for it. They wait on the Lord. And I think, you know, I, I think of Moses. And <laughs> you can imagine the anxiety. I mean, look, y'all, <laughs> I, I had so much anxiety. I won't tell you what it did to me, but I had so much anxiety before preaching this sermon. Because if I preach this sermon and I do what I'm supposed to do and nothing happens, it's kind of like, whoops, did I screw this up? Did I get this right? Did I hear you right, God? Right? We're kind of putting ourselves out there. And that's just with preaching a sermon. Imagine how Moses feels. He's leading the entire nation of Israel out from Egypt. Then all of a sudden, Pharaoh changes his mind, and there's this army behind him that's just going to slaughter the entire, entire Israelite race. And he's standing at this river. What am I going to do? How am I going to get across here? Right? And God says, wait. Are you kidding me? Right? Guys, get your sandbags and start damming up the river because we got to get through here. No. Wait on the Lord. Y'all, we don't have an army chasing us, do we? Not that I'm aware of. Maybe there's a new decree overnight that I missed. But when God doesn't speak... When God doesn't move, I don't think that's an invitation for Jeremy to come in and show everybody how smart I think I am. I think that's an invitation to stop and wait and seek the Lord. Our problem is we live in this fast food culture. We live in this microwave culture where we, we want things now and we want, you know, everything. Everything's on demand, right? We were watching, a long time ago, we were watching, my kids grew up on Netflix, and so, you know, everything's on demand, and we were watching a regular TV show, and a commercial came on. Elam was really little back then, but he's, he looks at me, and he's like, Dad, what is this? What, where's my show? It's like, ah, right, you don't know what commercials are, because everything is right here, right now. Guys, God doesn't cave to culture. This is my, one of my, I'm stealing this from my father-in-law, but you know, he says when Jesus rose from the dead, the resurrected Jesus, he gave two commands. There were two commands we have recorded that the resurrected Jesus gave us. First one, disciple. Second one, wait on the Spirit. Wait on the Spirit. Does anybody like waiting? I don't like waiting right? But y'all, if that's what it takes to get the kingdom of God in my life, if that's what it takes for me to advance the kingdom of God, then I'm going to wait on the Spirit. The further we dig in here, church, and I hope you're with me, I hope I'm not crazy, but the further we dig in here, y'all, 
the more I am realizing how much deeper I need to grow in my dependence on God. That like what Jesus said, y'all, it's, it's, not, it's not just, you know, a fun little story. But when Jesus says, I do nothing without first hearing my father say it. I, I'd say nothing without first hearing my father say it. That's how dependent Jesus was on the Holy Spirit. Y'all, I do not want to get to heaven and be one of these prophets that God stares me down and says, Jeremy, your sermons were your words. Everything that you preached, all the advice that you gave was your inspiration. You following your spirit. I don't want that to happen. Look, I'm preaching this purely selfish motives. <laughs> I don't want to be this prophet that Ezekiel's talking about. And so maybe that means my sermons are shorter. And everybody said amen, right? But it definitely means that the words that I speak are 100% his, not mine. And that's me trusting that the Holy Spirit can do more through my silence than I can do through a billion words. Y'all, I could sit up here all day and go on and on and on. But if I just shut up and let the Holy Spirit do his thing, that is going to be more than any sermon I could ever preach. Obedience to the Holy Spirit it's, is what's going to change lives. And that's not just me, y'all. That's for you as well. You don't know the right words to speak to that family member that's far off. You don't know the right words to speak to your coworker. You don't know how to invite him to church. You don't know how to t- talk to him about Jesus. Y'all, just shut up and listen. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't say anything, maybe your job is to just listen to them. Maybe God wants you to just listen to them rail against the church for a while to tell you how much they disagree with Jesus' teachings. You know, it's funny because if you let them talk long enough, lots of times you'll find out they don't actually disagree with Jesus' teachings. They disagree with what they think Jesus' teachings are. But if we're led by the Spirit, He's going to take care of all that stuff. Starting to see how the Holy Spirit's changing this sermon? Jeremy, you don't need three points. Less Jeremy, more of him. We need to be poor in spirit. And that starts here. That starts with me. Look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah 66. Says this is what the Lord says: Heaven is my throne; the earth is my foot is the footstool for my feet. Where then is a house you could build for me, and where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things, so all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But I will look to this one, at one who is humble and contrite in spirit, and who trembles at my word. First, look at God. Look at who he is. That's the first step in all of this. You want to become poor in spirit. 
Y'all, the reason we have such a high opinion of ourselves is because we don't look at God enough. Because if we truly looked at God, if we truly experienced God, if we tasted and saw that the Lord is good, and not just that, but how good God really is, we would have no problem letting go of ourselves. Why in the world do I want to hang on to who Jeremy Allen Metzger thinks he is when I see who God is and God has offered me his spirit? When I see the wisdom and holiness of God and God himself says, Jeremy, if you would just let go of what you think is best, I would get you there. I can get you there right now. And all you've got to do is walk in the spirit that I've given to you. What in the world am I holding on to myself for? Why am I trying so hard to fight for my ways when I have the opportunity to step into the perfection of God right now? Is freedom really that important to me? Because what? I'm a self-made man? Y'all, if this is what self-made is going to get me, forget about it. I want to be a God-made man, right? It's interesting. God says this is who he desires. This is who he looks for. One who is humble and contrite. That word contrite, you know, the English definition of contrite means feeling or expressing remorse or penitence, affected by guilt. And it, that'd preach right there. I could preach that and that'd be wonderful. But, but if you break it down into the Greek, which is, which is what it's written in, right? The actual, or I'm sorry, in the Hebrew, the actual, the actual Hebrew word here is nache. It's one of those good Hebrew words that makes it sound like you're spitting, right? You know, nache. So that's the Hebrew word, and it literally means crippled, maimed, smitten, or broken. More than just a feeling, right? Nobody wants to be classified like that, right? Nobody wants to be classified as crippled, or maimed, or lame, or broken, right? But God says, this is the one I look to. These are the people that I'm going to use. Church, we have got to get this in our spirit. Because too often, churches today find people who are talented, find people who are charismatic, find people who look good and sound good, say all the right things, and they elevate those people up, and they call them anointed, and they say, oh, look, he's got this, the Holy Spirit, and everybody else who is crippled and lame and broken, we push them to the side, keep them on the outsides. Yeah, you can stay behind the scenes, but we're not going to give you any important roles. That's not what God says. God is not interested in using the popular the charismatic, the eloquent, those with the biggest platform or following, those who do the most miracles, the smartest, the most loving. 
God is looking for the humble and those whose spirit is broken. The poor in spirit. Those are the people God is going to use to forcefully advance his kingdom on this earth. I want to be poor in spirit. I hope you do too. Because y'all, more than anything, I want God to be able to use me. When God looks for people who are going to be faithful on this earth, I want him to look at me and say, you know what, Jeremy? You didn't always get it right, but you were poor in spirit. And you let me use you. That's who I want to be. One who is humble and broken of my spirit so I can be full of God's. So that's where we're going to end today. It's a short one. I want to be a church filled with humble and broken people. And I hope you want to be part of a church filled with humble and broken people. You know, and maybe nobody ever looks at our church and thinks, oh, wow. Look at them. Look at, oh, they really got it together. Look at those people. I want to be part of that club. Church was never supposed to be a club, right? But I want to be part of a church that is broken of our spirit so that we can be filled with God's spirit. So I am going to stop talking and humble myself and let the Holy Spirit move. So today I want to pray together. We've been focusing a lot of time on praying together, right? A lot of extra time just sitting together and praying. And I really want to hone in on what we talked about at the end of service last week. So I think what, what I would love to do, I know we're, we're a little, I can't really see where everybody is. Emily, could you, could you turn on the lights real quick? Got it nice and dark in here, but I want to see. Um, so I think what we'll do is we will um, maybe get together in groups. I think if, if like y'all right here in these two sections kind of get together and then like in these sections, like maybe back half and front half or something, we're going to get together and, and just share and, and just share with one another. I'm going to give you a couple focus questions. If you don't want to share, you don't have to share. Um, you don't have to say anything, but this is really where we landed last week when we talked about being poor in spirit, what it means to be poor in spirit, when we talked about going all in and counting the cost. And I want to revisit kind of what we talked about there and spend some time so that we can talk about that and pray together. So we're going to get together, we're going to share, and then after we share, we're going to pray. And guess what I'm going to tell you when you pray together? Do not pray from your inspiration, right? Pray what the Holy Spirit tells you to pray. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't tell you anything to pray, then don't pray. Just sit together, right? Because God's presence is enough to do anything. God's presence is enough to move the biggest mountain in your life. And God already knows what those mountains are, whether you choose to say them or not. And so let's wait on the Lord. And if someone has a word, share the word with your group. 
if someone, if nobody gets a word and you all just sit there and hold hands and, and just comfort one another with, your, with the presence of God, then do that. But y'all, God knows what he's doing, right? I don't know what he's going to do today. But as your pastor, who's supposed to be leading this thing, leading, I'm going to get out of the way and I'm going to let him lead. Because I think that's what a good pastor should do. I think that's what a good Christian should do. Get out of the way and let him lead. My goal is God himself. At any cost and by any road. So I'm going to get my spirit out of the way. And I'm going to let his spirit move. And I hope that you'll do the same. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel House podcast. We pray that you were pointed to Jesus and will apply what you learn to look more like him each and every day. If you found today's message impactful, do us a favor and hit the follow button. Leave us a rating and write up a review to help others find our podcast. You can also help us by sharing the podcast so that together we can show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you head to our website, www.thegospel.house connect, fill out the form and someone from our Gospel House family will connect with you. God bless you and remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ is always enough.